0: Um, would you open up your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 10, um, particularly starting in verse 46? Um, it's uh, so good, again, guys, to have you with us uh, and leading us in worship this morning. Just kind of setting the tone of the morning and our worship team. I'm so thankful for, for you guys um, we are back now in our tethered series in the book of Mark. We've been here for a while. Um, we've been breaking it up through uh, seasons as we've been walking through them. But here we are. We're at it again. And so it's been a while. So what I want to do is I want to jog our memory um, of, where, of, of what this book is all about. Okay, so the book of Mark, um, it's the story of Jesus showing 12 disciples what it looks like to stay connected to him. It's the story of Jesus for sure. Like it's all about Jesus. But it teaches us, as we, as we watch to the disciples, to see what Jesus is calling us to as well. And what we learn from the disciples and what Jesus is teaching them is that the best life that we could ever live is a life that is only and always connected to him. The best life for us as followers of Christ is best lived when it's lived in connection with Jesus. Like somebody who's tethered to a lifeline. Um, like somebody who's tethered to... Uh, um, um, What's the thing called? I'm, I'm losing it. Um, uh, life support, right? If you're connected to life support, if you unplug life support, that's it. It's over. But when you are plugged in, there's life there. It's like an astronaut who's uh, connected to the, uh, the space station in space. If you disconnect from that thing, you float off into oblivion. It is important to stay connected to Christ because that's where uh, life is. Now, I'll say this. You can live disconnected from Jesus. You can You can be a disconnected believer in Christ. I'll tell you, there's no life there. There are things that hang on the tree that look like it's good fruit, but it's not real fruit. So you can be a disconnected Christian, but the best life is always gonna be lived when we're connected to Jesus. And so what I wanna do is I want us to jump into Mark. We're gonna just jump straight in. Um, And I don't know if you have a Bible. If you don't, you can use your phone, pull up an app there. Um, But if you don't, like you can just lean into somebody real close Uh, who has one, and I don't think they'll mind because you're reading God's word together, all right? So uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, rabbi. And if you have a different translation, your translation might say, my rabbi. Because there's a connection here that he's already made. My rabbi, let me recover my sight. What he's saying is, I just want to be able to see. And Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Would you pray with me? Jesus, your word's been read. Um, You have something for each and every one of us in this room. And we pray that you would lead us to that place. Um, Where our mind is running right now, if it's not where you want it to go, would you just kind of steer it back on track? The things that are getting in the way that Satan just wants to squeeze in to distract us, would you push those things out? We just want to hear from you, and we want to truly see your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. This story, it's amazing, right? It's amazing because you read it, and there's a miracle in there, and we always get excited about miracles, but this isn't the first time that the disciples are hearing about a miracle. It's not the first time that they're seeing Uh, a a miracle or a healing. We've seen Jesus, as we've been walking through the book of Mark, we've seen him do all kinds uh, of miracles. We've seen him already heal disease. We've seen him heal a dude who was deaf and he couldn't speak. Remember, like he did that whole spit thing and and put it on the tongue and the ears. And then we saw him heal somebody who was blind and he did the whole spit thing again and he put it uh, on the eyes. Like, what is that all about? Um, but there was a, a healing, a miracle that takes place. Um, he, he is doing miraculous things. He's cast out demons. He's already spoken to a raging sea, and it's been calmed, it's it stopped, and the disciples have uh, seen this. And, and so now the disciples are seeing uh, another miracle that's in front of them. where re- We've read it in this section, but I want to suggest to you and maybe even argue the point that the miracle isn't actually uh, the point here. That's not what Jesus wants us to see, and that's not what Mark wants us to see. Um, miracles, they've always been um, a, a way of getting our attention. They, Like way back then when we read it, and even when we hear of and we see a miracle right now, and I would say even the matching of all of these, this DNA and everything that needed to match up, I would say that was God working a miracle. Uh, God's way of getting, uh, miracles are God's way of getting our attention so that we'll see him, And then we see him for who he truly is, we'll desire to follow him. God's miracles, he does them so that we'll ultimately follow him. And so I think this story, there's a miracle in here, but everything around the story, I think, is what the point is. And so what I want to do is I want to look at three things that are surrounding um, this this particular miracle. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them to you right up front so you know exactly where we're going so we have these as handles along the way. So the first thing here is that we see somebody in a desperate situation, right? And we've already read the text. We know that's Bartimaeus. Um, We see Bart, he's in a desperate situation. And then we see uh, the same man, he demonstrates faith that Jesus can heal him and step into his situation. Somehow, he believes that God can do something or that Jesus can do something, and then we're going to see that Jesus is going to respond to his faith, and if we want to have like a little excursus on the, on the side of that, there's going to be something else that I think when we get to that, that's the point of the story. So we're going to work through the text, and then we're going to get to what I think Jesus wants us to know in that text, okay? You guys with me? Yeah. Yes, okay. So let's start, um, and if you take notes, uh, you can write down um, a desperate situation. Here, here's number one, the desperate situation. Luke tells us in the story that there is a blind beggar who goes by the name of Bartimaeus, okay? Now right now, Bartimaeus, he's identified by what, um, by, by what people see of him. His identity is wrapped around his ability to or inability to see. So when people see him, What they see, that's blind Bartimaeus. That's who he is to them, just a a blind beggar, okay? Um, Nobody says, hey, there's there's handsome Bart on the side of the road. Nobody says, hey, look, there's the best camel rider in the town. Like, that's not his identity. His whole identity gets wrapped up in the idea or the the reality that he's blind. Bart is the, the blind beggar. Now, if you want to think about it in the context of, of our reality here, to think, like, how can somebody be identified by what they do? Um, Ashley and I, uh, a couple years ago, we decided that we wanted to finish our basement. I'm not a craftsman. I need people to help me in that area, okay? And so I was asking, um, hey, is, uh, does anybody know uh, somebody who does drywall? And I, I asked, and, and somebody said, hey, yeah, I do. Uh, call drywall Bob. <laughs> yeah, you guys know. I said, I said, drywall Bob. I said, okay, great. Um, and I said, does he do good work? They said, oh yeah, he's excellent and he's cheap. I said, fantastic. Um, what's, his, what's, his, what's his name so I can contact him? It's drywall Bob. <laughs> I said, I get that, but what's his last name? I don't know. Like nobody knew his last name. So I had to track down drywall Bob. That was his identity. That's what people know him as. He is drywall. He's the guy who does dry drywall. Um, I, when he came to our house, I'll tell you, uh, I asked him what his last name was, and he laughed. He's like, it's Drywall Bob, man. Uh, and then I said, no, really, what's your last name? Because uh, I have to write you a check. And um, he told me his name, and I don't remember. I, I, just, know it's, I just know it's Drywall, drywall Bob. Um, so here, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the life of a, a blind beggar in the first century. We see blindness now, and we see it around us, and it's a lot different in the 21st century than it was in, in the first Um, The blind and the lame, they were considered outcasts in society. Um, If you were blind, people considered you that, that you were under God's curse, that you were under his judgment, that you did something wrong, that's why you're blind, or your parents did something wrong, that's why you're blind. You are carrying the judgment and the curse of God. And so a blind beggar, that's, they carry that around with them. But there were laws that were given to the Jewish people who um, were surrounding him in uh, Jericho at this place. Um, and the law was given in Leviticus about how people were supposed to treat one another, how they're supposed to treat the poor and the lame and those who were considered outcasts. And you, you weren't supposed to see somebody on the side of the road and be like, dang, dude, you're in a pretty tough situation, and then just kind of turn around and go the other direction. The idea was there would be compassion, Uh, And there would be generosity that was required of you as a follower um, of of the law, the follower of God. Um, God's people were required to intervene. If you had the ability um, and the the resources to step in and to alleviate somebody's pain, if you had the ability to alleviate somebody's uh, hardship and the capacity to meet that need, then you were required to do that. Um, And so I would say even, that's not just Old Testament law. I think that's required of us now. Like when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, when we look at the life of Jesus and what He's called us to, like there is an aspect of generosity that God has called us to and compassion that He has called us to through His Son, Jesus. And it was going all the way back to um, the community that was happening in Jericho, the Jewish community. Uh, And so the blind and other people who were in the community that had physical or mental disabilities, um, they weren't able to go to work. Like. you and me. They weren't able to work a a nine to five job so they can go and they can provide for their family. Um, They were dependent on on everybody else. Um, And so what they would do is they would um, go to the busiest area of town and line the streets and they would beg. Um, They would hold their hands out and hope that somebody gave them something so that they would be able to buy food um, just to be able to to survive. Um, They begged for money and compassion. Now for us, for us to get our minds around that, like the, the um, busiest area for us in Ashland is down on Silver Street, would you say? I'm um, right down in town where all the shops are and whatnot. So think about you know, going to patron your favorite business or, or, or whatever down there, go, go buy a drink, and you get there and um, you're going in, there's beggars lined all along the streets, panhandlers we call them now, um, just asking for compassion, asking for help. And you go in and you come out and you would give them money. That's, how, that's, that's what was required of you, of the law. But you were dependent on everybody else um, to help meet your need. And blind Bartimaeus here, he's one of the beggars who's lined up in downtown Jericho in a busy street. And we don't know how long he's been there. We don't know how long he's been begging. We don't know how long he's been blind. We just know that he's there. And uh, if you can, I want you to try to put yourself in Bart's shoes right now. So, because um, every pastor is always afraid that people are going to fall asleep, I want you just to wiggle your feet right now. Wiggle your feet, put your feet inside Bart's shoes right now, inside the first century blind beggar. People wiggling, I'm just going to trust you, okay? Bart wakes up every morning, and he's still blind. You wake up every morning, and you're still blind. You go to bed at night and you trust that God's gonna do something, that he's gonna intervene. And so you lay down at night and you pray, God, see me, care about me, love me. God, would you heal me? And you believe with every ounce of your body that you're gonna wake up in the morning and you are gonna be able to see because you have faith that God can do that. And you wake up, everything's still dark. Maybe things are blurry. And you, it's the same as when you went to bed the night before. And so you reach for your cane or you reach for your stick, whatever it is that you find your way with, you grab your cloak and you head down to the town, grope your way there until you get there, and then you beg so that you have food for the morning and you have food for the evening and so that you don't starve. That's the reality. And the feeling of desperation is there. The need of ongoing care and the dependency on the charity of other people just to meet your very basic human needs. Those are difficult shoes to step into, aren't they? How are your feet feeling right now? It's not easy to walk in the shoes of a blind beggar. And I wonder if we can feel that desperation that he would have had. And if you can feel that somehow, some way right now, I think you're able to see why Bart is gonna act the way that he's gonna act in in just a moment, okay? So I want you to notice in verse 46, here's what Mark tells us. Jesus was leaving the town, okay? We don't know how long he'd been there, We don't know if he did any miracles while he was there. We don't know if he did any teaching while he was there. It would seem to be pretty customary that when Jesus entered into a town, those are the things that he did, right? It was common for him to cast out demons. It was common for him to heal miracles or to heal heal people and do miracles. It was common for him to teach. We don't have any of that written right here when he's in uh, Jericho. We just have him showing up. And the very next thing that Mark says after he says, they came to Jericho is as he was leaving Jericho. We don't hear anything in between of what goes on here and so here's what happens if there was healing that took place if there was teaching that took place that was customary that's already happened because now jesus is on his way out of town like he's heading to another place um he's going i don't know where he's going at this place until we get to uh chapter 11 okay the healing that bartimaeus would have wanted it's already gone but just as Jesus is on the way out of the town, there's a voice that cries out and it pierces through the air. And Bartimaeus, he yells out from the crowd, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You want to talk about almost missing the boat, almost missing the party. It's like Bartimaeus waited to the very last second before Jesus was gone, that he, before he says something. And why would you wait to say something if you're in pain? I mean, he's dealing with a community that is so judgmental around him. Like everybody else can do what he can't do. And you're going to see that in just a minute. So he's in this place of thinking, should I say something? Should I not? No, I'm not because people are going to think about or they're going to talk about what what I'm saying. They're going to talk about me. They're going to think that I'm crazy. People are going to judge me. So should I do it? Should I not do it? I don't know. You know what? I don't care anymore. I'm tired of it. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus is in a desperate situation here. But he yells out in faith. Now now listen to this, okay? Don't miss this. He yells out in faith because he believes that Jesus can heal him. He believes that Jesus can heal him. That's why he he cries out. He's crying out for a miracle. How many of us have been in the position where there's so much going on in our life and we are just begging God to do something? Like we are at the end and we're about to break and we say, God, show up and we cry out, God, help me. This is where Bart's at. And so if you're writing things down, would you write this next point down? Um, Bart was in a desperate situation, but he had faith that Jesus could heal him and he could work in his situation. And why else would any, why would anybody yell out for help? You don't ask, you don't ask for help if you, if you don't believe the person you're asking for help can actually show up and help you, right? It's just futile, right? If you're, if you're asking your five-year-old son if he can shingle the roof, that's not going to work. It's just not. You ask for help from somebody that you believe can help you. When you're younger and you were taking tests, um, I don't know if this worked out for you this way, but I would always partner with somebody who was smarter than me so that I could be prepared for the exam. Now, smart people, you're smart enough to do that. Smart people don't go ask somebody who's getting an F in the class if you could tutor me for the test, right? You ask somebody who's smarter than you because you believe that they can help you. When you're older and things start breaking down in your body, and things don't function the way that they used to, you wake up and everything creaks and cracks, you're like, that didn't happen the day before, and things are just not like they used to be, you call a doctor because you believe that a doctor has the ability to help you. If your back hurts, you don't call a plumber, right? You call somebody who can help you with your back. Why else would somebody cry out for help if they didn't believe that somebody could come and help them? You only cry out in desperation if you believe there's hope there. Um, My mentor in Texas, he says, uh, or every one of his prayers that I've heard him pray, he starts it off like this. God, we come to you because honestly, there is no better place for us to go. Every time he prays, we come to you because there's nowhere else for us to go. This isn't the last resort. This is the first resort. We come to you because you are the best place to go. Bartimaeus cries out here because he believes and he has faith that there is no better place for him to turn than to turn to Jesus. He has faith that Jesus can heal him. But I want you to see where that faith comes from. And I'm gonna say, I'm going to say that, that it's not just blind faith, right? And that pun is intended. That he doesn't just reach out like, oh man, I hope that this is gonna happen. He's reaching out on something that, that there's more handles on than just a hope, okay? He yells out, Jesus, son of David. And I wanna pause right there because that son of David there's significance that's wrapped around that. You don't just say that unless you know what's packed into it. Um, the idea of the um, Son of David was a messianic title for the, the Savior. Son of David was a promise of, of the one who was to come. The Jewish people believed that there was going to be a future king who was going to come, that was going to um, be in the line of David. And when he came, he wasn't just going to sit on the throne once, he was going to sit on the throne forever. He was going to be the Savior. He was the Messiah. He was the one that everyone and every knee will eventually bow down to and confess that he is Lord. He is the one, okay? So son of David has got so much packed into it for the Jewish community. And so this blind man, he's crying out and he he is clear enough to see, he can see clear enough to believe that Jesus is this king, that Jesus is the son of God that Jesus is the son of David. He is the savior that was promised to come. He sees spiritually with 2020 sight here. So a question should naturally pop up for us though. If this man can see like that, but he's an outcast, how would he have known about the Messiah as the son of God? How would he have known that he was the, the son of, of, of David? And this is just a blind beggar somebody who sits on the side of the road and panhandles so that he can eat after, after lunch, right? Or after, uh, in the afternoon. For all intents and purposes, Bartimaeus here, he's functionally illiterate because he can't see anything to read it. So how would he know that the um, Messiah, that he was gonna come and he would be called the son of, of David? Well, think with me through first century perspective here, okay? Right now, um, we are blessed with incredible advancements when it comes to being able to see or not being able to see. Those who can't see and those who struggle to be able to see have all kinds of helps um, because of uh, the modern technology, not, modern technology that's come along. Um, not only can we have surgeries for our eyes, but for believers, if we can't see, there's the ability to, to do a direct download of the scriptures onto your phone or onto your computer where you can hear the word spoken to you. You can download the Bible app, which is a great app. You can download the Dwell app, which is a great app. And you can have people in your favorite language or your favorite uh, um, voice speak the the, the truth to you. And you can hear the word of God. And if you want to, and if you know how to use braille, um, you could actually read the scriptures with your fingertips. It's amazing what we can do in the 21st century for a blind person. But we're talking about the first century. Those things don't exist. Um, If you wanted to know the scriptures in the first century, you had to learn it by hearing it from somebody else. You had to hear somebody reading it. You had to hear somebody reciting it and doing memorization. You had to be close to somebody who was close to the scriptures. That's the only way you're going to find out. And so what's happened is he's been close enough to someone who is close to the scriptures, who's read the scriptures, who knows the scriptures, so that he can hear it and he can take take it to heart. And what's happened is it's gone through his ears, it's worked its way down into his heart, and it's caused him to believe what he's heard in the scriptures. No eyes needed for this. He has heard the scriptures and he has believed. And on top of that, the reputation of Jesus was starting to get around, right? Because you had to live under a rock to not hear the stories of what Jesus was doing from town to town. We're not talking about a huge area here. Word travels fast. And so taking what he's heard in the scriptures, pairing it together with what was going on or what he was hearing about Jesus, I believe he starts to put, this, uh, the, but put two and two together here. Bartimaeus had to have heard the scriptures and the prophecies that said that the Savior was going to come and he was going to bind up the brokenhearted. He had to have heard uh, Psalm 147 verse 3 that says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. He had to have heard the prophecies that come in Isaiah 61 that said of the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of David, who is going to come, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And don't you think in his existence That the word would have traveled about the time when Jesus was standing in Galilee and he walked into the synagogue and he pulled out the scroll of Isaiah and he began to read the scroll of Isaiah and he went to the exact same spot. And yet this time when he was reading, he wasn't reading it as the prophet. He was reading it as the fulfillment of the prophet. And he gave us a little insight into what it actually meant. And he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. You think he didn't lose his mind when he heard that be read? You didn't think his heart filled up with hope when he heard that there was somebody who was going to come that was going to be able to not only open his physical eyes but open his spiritual eyes and be his savior? Like These things are being tucked into his heart. And I'm guessing this blind man takes all those scriptures that he knows and he puts it all together with the report that he's heard about Jesus. And in desperation, he yelled out to the only one who he believed could fix his situation. He cries out to Jesus in faith, believing that he was the Savior and that he had the ability to heal him. Do you notice what the crowd is doing while Bart is yelling out to Jesus here? Look at verse 48. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. (laughs) they're yelling at him to, to, to shut it down like there's no hope for you you have Bart over here on one side and he's yelling Jesus son of David have mercy on me and then over here on the other side you've got a grumpy old crowd of people who are yelling at him be quiet pipe down shut up you've got nothing worth saying You're not worthy to even be talking to us. He doesn't want you. He doesn't have time for you. And isn't that what happens sometimes in our desperation? We finally get to the point where where we're just about to break. And we just are, you know what, I don't care anymore. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm going to reach out for help. I'm going to cry out for help. And I'm going to go where I think I can get it. And, And we finally yell for help. And then there's a crowd of people who are around and they say, pipe down. Shut up. He doesn't care. Stay in your corner. We've got a spot for you. And if you try to come out of there, we'll put you back into your place. Bart is coming out of his place that he's been put in in cultural society. And he's yelling out to Jesus and they're saying, you're not worthy. There's no such hope for healing. You're crazy. You've lost your mind. Why do we crucify people when they reach out? Why do we crucify people when they ask for help? And, and they're reaching out. And why do we as people who are reaching out listen to the people who are going crazy when we're reaching out to Jesus? And there's an interesting dichotomy that happens here. This blind man, he hears the crowd yelling. He hears the crowd telling him to be silent. And you know what he does? He cries out even louder. Louder as if his life Dependent on it. It says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I want you to notice, I mean these two little words that were the two words that jumped off the page to me when I was reading this week. They've always been there, but this is the first time I really noticed them. Here's what it says in verse 49. And Jesus stopped. What a what a what a boring word, right? Such a boring word. But would you circle that boring word in your Bible or highlight it? Because there's so much significance that's wrapped up in stopping here for Jesus. Um, why does it matter that he stops? Well, for Bartimaeus, it matters because that means that Jesus heard his voice, that Jesus cared enough to stop when he was crying out. For the crowd who is yelling for Bartimaeus to sit down, um, it's important to them because they find out that Bartimaeus is more valuable in life than they thought that he was, that he was valuable enough that Jesus would actually stop to listen to him. And functionally, if we think about the word stop, um, think about the logistics for a blind person here. Every day, you're trying to navigate your world, trying to navigate your atmosphere by sight, um, or or not by sight. You're trying to navigate it maybe by sound or by touch and feeling around, maybe even by smells, if you're familiar with the area that you're in, if somebody isn't physically guiding you from place to place, right? You're you're trying to navigate your, your world. So why would Jesus stop for Bartimaeus in this moment right now? I think it's so Bartimaeus could get to him, so that Jesus didn't just pass by when there was somebody who was crying out. It's really easy for somebody to continue walk if there's a blind man who's calling out and make it very difficult for them to get to. But what Jesus does is he stops, so that he can be found. And what happens next is phenomenal. But let me read first um, what C.S. Lewis says about um, this idea of stopping. C.S. Lewis said. Uh, He had talking about the the blind man here, he had heard that Jesus was coming and he wasn't going to let the chance go. He wasn't going to be kept out of the kingdom of God by a lot of people who thought they were better than he was. He wasn't going to be silenced by people who wanted to keep him in his place. He wasn't going to shout out for mercy, or he, he was going to shout out for mercy. He was going to call on Jesus. And that was why Jesus stopped. He stopped for the man who wouldn't be silenced. For the man who wouldn't be kept out. For the man who wouldn't be kept down. He stopped so that the blind man could get to him. It's amazing. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped and he said, call him. And they called the blind man over saying to him, take heart, get up. He's calling you. Now, I don't know um, who's doing um, the calling here. I don't know if Jesus is talking to the disciples that are with him and saying, hey, go call him and let him know. Could be, in my mind, I think it'd be very ironic if he's talking to the people who are yelling at him to be quiet. That hey, you right there who's shouting? Hey, how about you call him? Let him know that I'm over here. Tell him to tell him to come on. And they tell him to take heart, get up. He's calling you. And in my mind, I like to see the scripture moving, and I can almost see. And can't you almost see? Like when, when uh, Jesus calls Bart over, that he just hops up, because that's what the scriptures say. He hops up and he immediately runs to where Jesus is. Can't you see him like running as fast as he can? Like, how's a blind man run? Like you just, like, I hope I don't hit anything, right? And so like, hey, excuse me, pardon me, I'm moving through. Hey, um, Jesus is calling me, uh, I gotta get to him. I can almost see Bart like working through the crowd, almost like, hey, y'all thought something, but th- th- there's something different going on. Something different. I can see him doing that until he gets to Jesus. What scripture says is that when uh, uh, Bartimaeus hears Jesus calling out to him, he throws down his cloak and he gets up and he runs as fast as he can. You know, if he throws down his cloak, do you know what that means? He's just thrown away everything that he owns. (laughs) He throws down everything that he owns and he goes to Jesus as fast as he can. And I love this next part. And If you're taking notes, number three here is we see Jesus respond to Bartimaeus' faith here. Jesus hears the faith of Bart and he listens and he responds. Bart now in this crowd, he is face to face with Jesus. Jesus can see him, but he can't see Jesus at this point. And he's panning out of breath from getting through the crowd to get to him and running as fast as he can. And Jesus looks at him and he asks this question, and a question that I think maybe all of us want to hear from time to time. Verse 51, he said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, Really? Like, i got a thousand things I'd like for you to do for me, Jesus. Where do you want me to start? Right? I'd start with, uh, hey, can I get three more of those questions after the first one? But he's like, I'm not like a genie. I don't work that way. You don't get wishes. But here, here, here's what happens. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, or your translation might say, my Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Let me, let me see. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith, what's he say? Your faith has made you well. What makes him well? His faith. But it doesn't reside in him. That faith is given to him by God, it's given to him through the word, it's given to him for what he's been hearing and listening. His faith is an act that God has put inside of him. His faith in Jesus, his faith in the Son of David, his faith in the Savior. This is an amazing story. This is an incredible miracle. This is multiple times now Jesus healed people's eyes, and it's a great one, but I want to argue that this is not the point of the story. The miracle's not the point. That's not the biggest miracle here. He's healed and he could see, which is absolutely amazing, but that's not the point. I want you to watch what happens after the miracle. Verse 52 says, "And immediately he recovered his sight. And would you read that with me? And followed him on the way. I don't think anybody read that with me. Let's do that again. Um, let's do Okay, and immediately he recovered his sight. And read this part with me. And followed him on the way. He is healed. And then the very next thing that he does is he gets up and he follows Jesus. He heals his eyes. And instead of like being, thank you, I'm out. I'm going to go do everything that I haven't been able to do because I couldn't see. He says, I'm going where you're going. Jesus was about to leave Jericho. He was leaving. He was out. He was going to the next place. And you got a man who's identified as blind Bartimaeus over here. Jesus touches his eyes. He's no longer blind Bartimaeus. He's Bartimaeus, the follower of Jesus. And so when Jesus leaves Jericho, Bart's going with him. Wherever he goes, He says, I'm going to go. And and I want to suggest that that's the point here, right? Jesus can heal, yes. Yes, he cares. Yes, he loves. Yes, he has the ability to do the miracle. Yes, to all those things. But the point here is about the faith that leads to us following Jesus. And anyone can have that. Anyone can have that faith. Even a blind beggar. There was a group of people who thought that there was no room for him in God's economy. There was a group of people who thought that they were religiously better than this man who was sitting on the ground. There was a group of people who believed that they were the proper ones. They were socially better. They were physically better than this blind man. And they're yelling out to him to sit down and shut up. And the people who thought that they could see turned out to be the ones who couldn't see. And the one that they thought couldn't see, who had no vision, it turns out that he was the one that could see, and he was the one who could see not only now physically with his eyes, but he was the one who's able to see 2020 with spiritual sight, and he follows Jesus. And what Jesus is saying as he's walking with these 12 disciples, he's saying, this is what the kingdom looks like. Just a bunch of people who are simply crying out to me in faith, and they say, I just want to be able to see. And when we see, we follow Jesus. I just want to be able to see. And then we follow Jesus. Think about the aftermath. Every place that Jesus has gone so far, every place that he stops, all over the place, he stops and he casts out demons. Miracle, right? Amazing. And then you got former demon-possessed people who are following Jesus. Then you have Jesus. He stops and he heals a woman who's got a flow of blood and she's had that thing going for for 12 years, the scripture says. Her life has been tormented. And Jesus steps in and, and he heals her. Miracle. No other doctor has been able to do that. Amazing! And now you got women who are following Jesus inside the kingdom. He stops and he hangs out with children and, and the, the disciples. They were busting the, the parents' chops for uh, letting their kids run to Jesus and, and get in the way. And Jesus says, "No, no. The kingdom belongs to such as these." Miraculous thing. What are you talking about? That's not who the king. Like the kingdom belongs to men of authority who sit on the throne. No, Jesus says the kingdom belongs to people such as these. This is a miracle. And then you have parents and you have children who are now following Jesus. He stops, and he heals people who have paralysis, who have the inability to hear, who have the inability to see, who have the inability to speak. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And then what happens is that you have people who are formerly blind, deaf, mute, and and just couldn't see anything that are following Jesus. What a motley group of people that God has called into the kingdom that this group of people thought that they were better than. It's a fantastic group of people that are following Jesus. And that's the point. The kingdom is made up of people who would, we would never have expected. I don't want to ask you, can you see it? Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the response of this blind man was, I just want to see. And Jesus asks us every day, what do you want me to do for you? And we respond with, Jesus, would you just open up my eyes? Open up my eyes. I want to be able to see Would you give me a faith that can see you and and just lead me to follow you because everything else is pulling me in different directions. Open up my eyes so that I can see you and follow you. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna invite you all to pray that uh, with me this morning. And so if you would, would you just kind of close your eyes and we're gonna close here in prayer. But I want you to do some business with the Lord um, as we pray. Let's say Jesus Would you open up my eyes? Would you give me the faith to follow you? When it's hard, would you give me the faith to follow you? Would you allow me to reach out to you and to get to a point where I just say, Jesus, you are all that I want. I want you more than anything. Give me sight to see. And I want to tell you, there is space in that crowd of followers for you too. If you're a believer, I want you to know that this is the crowd that you're a part of. That's the family that you belong to. Just a raggedy group of people that Jesus calls into the, the kingdom. Not the perfect people, but the perfect who said, perfect people, who, the people who say, "I want to see," and Jesus then perfects them. If you're not yet a believer, man, my heart aches for you because you are missing out on the journey of following Jesus wherever He goes. To say, you know what, I got a kidney that's available. They say, you know what? I, I've got time to mentor. They say, I, I've got a house for rent. I've got a room that you can stay in. I've got money that I can share. You know, it, you're missing out on an opportunity to say, my life is yours, God. Do what you want with it. You know, the, the crowd that Jesus invites you into, it's not a perfect crowd. Um, it's not a crowd who gets everything right. It's not a crowd who always gets along together but it's a group of people who have said, you know what, I want to see. I want to hear. I want to speak. I want to follow you wherever you go. So Jesus, this morning, would you open up our eyes? We want to see you. We want to follow you. Um, We want to go to the places that you have for us that we're not even uh, aware of. We want to sit at your feet. We want to be guided by you we want you to be our eyes we want you to train us we want you to disciple us we want to be in your work there's just so many things that we want that that just kind of get plucked out when when our eyes get blocked our vision gets blocked by things flying at us at 100 miles an hour and so did we declare right now lord we want you and thank you that when we were blind you gave us sight thank you that when we were lost you found us Thank you that when we were straying, that you ran to us, that we didn't have to run to you. Um, The cry of our heart, Lord, is we want you. In Jesus' name.